Show. Hi, this is Rachel. And this is Natalie. And we are the Insta Mamas. We are sisters with a podcast and we talk about everything from faith, healthy, clean living, adoption, foster care, motherhood, and everything in between. Thanks for listening. Hey, this is Natalie. And Rachel. We're so excited for today's topic. It is kind of a long time coming because it goes all the way back to our childhood Mm -hmm. and goes all the way to today. Yeah. Well, and it's so funny because we always spend time in prayer thinking about what we want to do a topic on. And the topic we were planning on doing tonight, we decided to just, at the last second, just switch it to another topic. It wasn't the right one for tonight. Yeah. It's just amazing how the Lord just kind of grows us. and. So we're talking about something I've learned a lot about in my parenting classes and then like, because we do a lot of parenting classes at our church and then... We just did a training for our second adoption. If you haven't heard, Zachary and I are adopting from the Philippines. And we are well into the process. And you can look at our page for more info. But, um... Natalie, your water is making me so nervous. It's so close to the edge. (laughs) I'm not not you, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, um, we were just thinking and we're like, oh, something that our parents did a really good job as as we were growing up is putting us around people who are different than us. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know what to name this podcast, but I think it's like challenge yourself to get out of the comfort of sameness. Mm -hmm. Do something different. And we're, this can encompass a lot of things, age, race, um, religion, culture, culture. And so we're just going to dive into some things that our parents did really well. Um, and then also things that you could do with your children. The hard thing, and we will caveat this with COVID-19, it is, and all the shutdowns and stuff, some of these things are not something you can do now, but put a pin in it and maybe even in six months or a year, mm-hmm. you'll be able to do it again. Gosh, I hate that we have to say that, but I know at the time of this recording, it's still our reality. Yeah. But there are so many things you can do, like, without being able to go places. So... Mm-hmm. Let's talk about an easy one first. Let's talk about um, people in different age brackets in your children. So yes. what is easy for me as a mom is to have all kids around that are the same age as my kid. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, because I'm in that Sunday school every, you know, and, you know, for you it's your daughter in preschool. So mm-hmm. what, and then a lot of us, sadly, don't grow, grow up around our families. Mm-hmm. There's so, not a mold. You know, especially in the Filipino culture, you'd have multi- cultural like multi-generations living under one household and we were fortunate enough to have our grandparents next door and then they did eventually move in with my parents so we did have a multi-generational home but a lot of people they don't get that anymore and our own parents don't live close to us and Mm so so our kids don't have like grandparents necessarily near them mm -hmm. and it's funny because your daughter like loves papas like any man of a certain maturity yeah like little old men he she just thinks they're so great and so we even have to tell her like okay you just can't go up and hug every grandpa like (laughs) did she even think santa was a papa yeah that's all when we tried it from the little yes king trying (laughs) he's a papa (laughs) which is funny because i don't even let her watch the little mermaid anymore after i just recently watched it i was like Oh my gosh, she is so rebellious and just doesn't listen to her dad. Completely changes her body. Remember how we used to like get mad at mom when she wouldn't let us watch movies, and now we're like so the same. Like I'm like, oh yeah, I don't want my kid watching bratty Disney Channel movies. Yeah, and Hannah Montana. So not only does she change her body for this man that she only met on the seashore, she changes her species. Okay, Rachel, get on a different soapbox. We're talking about old people now. But the elderly, it was not weird to, like, come out, you know, on a Saturday morning when we were teenagers and see, like, an elderly person from our church having coffee with our dad. Mm -hmm. Or, like, it wasn't... At one time, we had an elderly couple come live at our house, and my mom was their caregiver. So that was, like, our normal... And there are things about elderly people that you cannot learn unless you spend time with them. Mm-hmm. They move at a different pace. One of the men he was kind of, who lived, there was a um, husband and wife who lived with us. Amazing people. And just, they're both with the Lord now. But They had the best stories. Yeah, and they, they enriched our lives. But you didn't go down there and play ping pong with them. You went and sat and watched the Gaithers, which if you don't know who they are, it's... 
Earl said, this is this new singing group. And they're like, oh, youngest person is 70. I know. <laughs> so, but I mean, you watch TV or you play cards or, you know, you move at a different rate. Mm-hmm. But as a young, as a child and as a teenager especially, it was so good for me mm-hmm. to see them as people. Because so many times we just like put them in nursing homes and... Or I've heard a lot of people actually say that, oh, I feel uncomfortable around elderly people. Like, and that's not bad if you've never been around an elderly. They have a different smell. I mean, I hate, I mean, you know, they smell different. Sometimes they can't take care of themselves as well. Sometimes they can't remember. But they are human beings, and they're precious to God. Yeah. Because we're not talking about, like, my grandma, your grandpa. We're talking about... El- like people in their 80s and 90s. People yeah, at the severe end. elderly. Well, yeah. I'm going to say severe. Like, severe elderly. You're severely if I'm elderly. 80, I'm going to be happy. It's people who are at the end of their walk on this world, you and know. It's hard to it's hard to be around someone who's dying. I will tell you that. Like because it's scary when you're young. And mm-hmm. I remember one of the my like jobs as a teenager was to to sleep in the same room as as um as Leon, the lady who lived with us, and to, like, if she stopped breathing or was having trouble breathing, to call my mom. Mm-hmm. And that, I'm like, oh, that's such a weird job for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I was so terrified. I barely slept that night. But, I mean, how gracious was it that instead of in a nursing home, which, I mean, some people have to go in a nursing home, and there's no other choice for them. And that is, like, there's no judgment here because... Some families don't have choices. Yeah, and that's all that insurance will cover, whatever your situation is. I'm not, but this woman got to be around a family and eat meals with us, and it wasn't just for her. Mm -hmm. We got so much stuff. Well, and I remember when her husband was still living with us too. um, When her husband was with us, I used to grumble too with to my mom. I would grumble. I'd be like, okay, like I'm just gonna. Because he would like to take walks. But then when he'd take walks outside, he'd start to fall. So he, But he really enjoyed his walk. Mm-hmm. So my parents got out the old treadmill, and they said, we need you to stay downstairs with the treadmill when he walks, and he will try to pull it up the speed, and then you just Your turn it back down. So my, and sometimes I would grumble, like, I don't want to spend my time after school, like, turning down the treadmill because he wants to, like, try to run a marathon mm-hmm. and this man <laughs> in his like late 80s but he it, but you know that time was so precious I heard stories I heard like hard things that he went through they lived through the depression and even the stories that they would tell why they didn't waste anything when I bake cookies with her she would scrape that bowl clean and if I didn't scrape it clean enough she'd look at me like oh honey what are you doing like and I mean just crazy things like they'd get excited when they'd get a new sack of flour because then they'd get a new dress Mm-hmm. And it's just so crazy to me. Things that we would never even So I was like of. a selfish teenager. It allowed me to see suffering in, like, it's, because it is, it's suffering to get old. It's, mm-hmm. and she, what she would say, I hate being old. Like, mm-hmm. she's like, you know, and, and as a young person, it's, it's uncomfortable because we don't like death. There's mm-hmm. a reason why we have like a hundred words for death that aren't death, but that's what it is. Every single one of us are going to take our last breath and like I want my last days to be um to be precious and valuable and I want my children to be around that and honestly I do think our parents did a really good job with that having and then you got to live I mean our grandparents aren't that elderly but you got to live in the same house as grandma and grandpa for a while Mm -hmm. and that was really and our grandparents lived next door to us so we always had that older generation that not only I think Two is they teach you so many things. The stories, like cooking and mm-hmm. dating. I remember our grandma made us sit down and she showed us how to have a dinner date. Yeah, I mean it to... started out with something funny like, "How are you ever going to get a date if you eat and chew like that?" Because in our generation, it's elbows on the table, feet up. There's there's really not much. I guess it depends on your family lifestyle, mm-hmm. but she was really good about saying, "Put your napkin here, and this is how you this is how you would want to present yourself at the dinner table." And and it forces you to like, as a young person, to slow down because I think mm-hmm. that's another problem we have in our cultures. We're always going. So, um, and then another cool thing is my dad would preach once a month. Different preachers would take turns 
giving sermons in the nursing homes. They couldn't travel to church, and we would go and we'd sing these old hymns. It was so beautiful to see people that couldn't remember their own name could remember every single word to an And just how it would just choke them up to be able to take communion. And I think the sad thing is we've come into a society where we live in such a fast-paced world. We have everything immediately and instant for us. And a lot of elderly people are in nursing homes. And it's lonely. Especially with COVID. Who wants to get at the end of their life and think that I have no purpose anymore? But Mm -hmm. God has ordained every single day and has a purpose for people every single day of their lives, no matter how old they are. But if they're just shoved into a, you know, if they're just shoved into this life of loneliness, it's just... Well, that's why we've got to open things up and, and be safe and obviously, but... We people in nursing homes are dying of loneliness. They're like not, failure to thrive. Yeah, it's so sad. And we used to go after school because it was right by our school, mm. and we would go. And I loved my dad gave this example, gave me this example. He would go, and there'd be there was this woman. She couldn't talk. She'd had a stroke or something, and it's hard because she probably wasn't all there in her mind. But people forget because she can't talk that she doesn't want to be spoken to. Mm. And people would ask her questions. And so dad, he would get down on a knee and he'd grab her hand and he would say, hi, I don't remember her name, Gladys or whatever. Um, But he would just ask her all these questions and Mm. she couldn't answer him. But she looked in his face the entire time. She so appreciated that he was treating her like a human being. And Mm -hmm. it's not the nurses or CNA's faults at all. They are taking care of so many people Mm -hmm. and they're usually understaffed and... So and it's a hard job. Like some people in, who aren't in their right mind, like they get bit, they get yelled at, they get kicked. spit on. You know, like it's not an easy job. And it's not easy being elderly. Like you have to go from being an independent person your whole life since child uh, since you left childhood, and then you go back to childhood. You have to have your diapers changed. Mm-hmm. It's embarrassing, and it's you lose a lot of dignity. But I love dad. He did such a good job of giving those people dignity. Yeah. And even our mom, when we were little, would take us to the nursing home. And I remember we put on this play and it was so embarrassing to myself because I was like 13. Again, grumbling. I'm going to this nursing home. It was a play about there was a mall Santa. <laughs> and we taught him about Jesus and how to have <laughs> Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But you know how and then we sang songs. Them? Oh my gosh! But and it blessed the people in the home. They and loved honestly, it. It was a little bit fun for us if we if our diva selves are being. I think I was just really embarrassed. Yeah, because maybe I wasn't old enough to be embarrassed. Yet. I think I was mad because you got the song that I wanted to sing. Oh my gosh, diva! <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I mean, it was something we liked doing anyway. It got us comfortable singing in front of people. Yeah. And it blessed them so much. It was this. It's. It's so good to be around people that are that are in a different stage. So, mm-hmm. and even, you know, we're talking about the elderly. That's kind of an extreme example. But even, like, I have a friend who has a little... They had their kids young. So even though all their friends are kind of just starting to have kids, their kids are getting to preteen, teenage. And she says she teaches her children to prefer younger ones. To, like, if you're around a smaller kid... Ask them what they're interested in. Don't just mm-hmm. go and be on your phone in the other room. Ask a child, like, oh, play make-believe with them. And I know it's annoying, but it'll make the world to them. And, you know, if when you were in elementary school, if a middle schooler talked to you, you were like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, I, and they're I, so cool. I think it's a way to humble yourself. And no middle schooler has ever been cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Maybe Miley Cyrus. We <laughs> talked about her a lot. Um, but I think, like, just it humble, humbling yourself, too, to just, like, get back at that level. Like, okay, I'm going to humble myself. I have my friends here, but there's also these younger. Because, you know, when you were a teenager, you never wanted your little siblings to come hang out. You're like, no. Mm-hmm. But ever, and it's not saying you have to do that all the time. You need your time with your friends. But invite them, you know. Mm-hmm. Teach your kids to invite their younger siblings to go on, like, a bike ride or something. You our know? mom made our older sisters take us so that they wouldn't get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Like, if they had a date <laughs> with their boyfriend, we had to go with them. <laughs> oh, but, so, yeah. So, age is a really easy one because it's not easy. But, especially with COVID and nursing homes being closed. But something that I want to do is go on a regular basis to nursing homes and sing and whatever they want. You know, sometimes it's just sitting with someone and reading a book. Yeah, we I mean, used to simple. we used to just go color. Mm-hmm. Like they'd have their time where they were out in the rec hall area, and my mom would bring a bunch of coloring books and a bunch of color crayons, and we would just sit and color. And there was one lady in particular; it was so sweet. Whenever we would come, she'd be like, "Oh, this is my family." 
and, and for the day she we was were... a little black lady and we were all white it's <laughs> like <laughs> but that you know to for her, us we were and to yeah. her we were and it didn't matter because and you know some people they can't travel their family lives far away from them or maybe they're the last surviving family member or whatever it is there's some really sad stories and honestly you cannot get comfortable around people who are different than you unless you are around them yeah that's the only way to do and it where's the best place to learn history i mean history we have books and we have education but what's the best source yeah and we were also blessed our great-grandfather lived to be two weeks shy of his 100th birthday mm-hmm. we celebrated his 100th birthday and then he didn't wait till his real one because he's like oh i guess we already celebrated. <laughs> well, but he was this wonderful old man and he had this wealth of information. And who immigrated from the Philippines with, like, nothing and had to work his way up from eating a bowl of rice and a head of fish every day and paying for his rent to owning his own home. and yeah, having paying a th- rent to, like, share a room with ten other guys that yeah, were Yeah, I mean, you know? it's just his stories where he, he would work in the farmer's market at Pike's Place Market and would talk about how my green, my green beans are better, my green beans, you know, the excitement. And it's like, well, how would you hear stories like that? And you can read about it in a book, but it's not the same. And even, so I will be challenged because I haven't been to a nursing home in years. And it was something we did every week. So it's so weird. But um, one of the, I try to read off this reading list every year. And one of the challenge of the reading list is to read a book with an elderly protagonist. And I like rolled my eyes and go, oh, I don't want to read about an old person. And then I was like, I'm not, what? Yeah. I'm as bad as I am. <laughs> and so it challenged me. I was like, okay, so now I got to go find. But it's hard to find a book with an elderly protagonist. Yeah. It is. And so I was like, okay, so this is a good challenge for me. Um, to Anytime you get out of your comfort zone. And then it doesn't, it, I bet if I went to a nursing home today, all those shocks would happen again. Mm-hmm. I'd be shocked by the smell. I'd be shocked by maybe how different people are how slowly they move and sometimes just the sadness it is sad and that's hard to be we don't want to be around sad things why do you think we spend so much time on our phones and see people's lives that are all like here's my vacation in hawaii here's what we want we don't want to be around sad things but sometimes we have to be uncomfortable to grow Mm -hmm. and to be better people and teach our children and because when my sister and i we owned a daycare my other sister becca one of the things we did was we took during christmas time we just took some construction paper some glue some stickers and took it down to the nursing home and the kids all sat at first they sang songs to them and then the kids all sat with them and made christmas cards and And to see their faces just light up when all those little children walk through the door Mm -hmm. like some i mean like their eyes just lit up some people are like could care less that there's kids there, but some people you could tell that it changed their whole day. Like they it, were just so. Pleased. It might be awkward at first, but it. So I took a group of my students. We would do like service projects every month or so, and we made a bunch of those heat packs that you put in the microwave, and they like you can put on achy joints, and they feel good. So we sewed a bunch of them, and then we took them to the nursing home, and we were just gonna drop them off and you know talk to the director, and they said, well, you know, it's their rec time. Do you want to come hang out with them? And I could tell the kids were feeling kind of like, oh, I don't know. And I was like, of course we do. Yes, we do, kids. Yeah, let's do it. And we all went. And I would put two kids with, like, one or two, you know, older people. And at first it was a little bit awkward, and they didn't know what to say. or But within a few minutes, everyone was chatting like old friends. And then we were playing bingo. And this one guy was just like, they're like, watch out for him. He's a shark in bingo. And, like, <laughs> it was just so fun. And the girls were like, can we do it again next month? And I was like, yeah, we can. And it's this multi-general it's supposed to be this way yeah we've moved away from this as a culture and it's supposed to be like your great grandmother sitting in your living room telling stories about her time in the country the country that she lived in and how she struggled to come you know what i mean it's supposed to be like that but we've kind of gone away with it because family structure has just changed so much and i know it's really hard right now with the season of the world we're in but maybe put something down say at by this time or even like facetime Call your mom or your grandma or whoever and say, hey, I'm going to teach you how to use FaceTime so you can see your, your great-grandbabies. And just make an effort. Because this is something I want to make an effort with, too. Is, well, and is, hey, if you have young kids who are learning how to read, okay, it's painstakingly 
I love teaching kids how to read, but when they get to that point where they're starting to really read and they are like sounding out every word and it takes five minutes to read one page and you're like, okay, okay, come on, come on. Grandparents are amazing. Yeah, have them call a grandparent and say, hey, I want to read you a book that I just learned to read. And they'll love it and they'll sit there and listen. And so I think we can find creative ways. And I'm just really praying that the nursing homes open back up again because the way that these people are living is just it's inhumane. it's it's inhumane yeah and i know it's all that for 20 minutes yeah i know it's all in the name of safety but it's like do you really want to spend your last days alone alone because you're afraid to catch a virus that might kill you and death is uncomfortable that's why we don't like to look at it mm-hmm. honestly people and so let's just let's be careful and and thoughtful and loving towards people but I think uh, when I'm elderly I want people to make an effort to come to me because you work all these years to invest in relationships and then it's like we forget about them when they're older mm-hmm. and I really don't want to do that I want to make more effort with my grandparents and um, and you can even find a grandparent in the church mm-hmm. like we if you love we have a grandma that's everyone's grandma at the church oh yeah and she brings cookies every week and and she just loves my daughter. My daughter runs up to her every week, and she just, like, loves to give her little cookies and cakes. And, and, and I make an effort, too. There's some elderly people that it's harder for them to get up real quickly. So I say, oh, just sit. We'll come. And we sit with you and, and you know, talk to them for a few minutes. It's It makes a difference. So mm-hmm. age is a really good one. Um, another one is um, race. So mm-hmm. something our parents did really well is we almost every year had an exchange student. Yeah, our, pretty much most of our lives we had an exchange student. It's I think funny. my parents said they uh, hosted over 80 exchange students. Yeah. And then... I mean, because some would be there for a couple days while they were, like, transitioning to a different... And family. then when I was in college, I was an RA for... Uh, house that was exchange students, so we had plenty of... It was just... It's weird, because our normal... It's not the normal of a lot of people. Was Yeah, you just were around people who were different than you, and that was normal. And I'm like, oh, I, that is a blessing that we never had to think, oh, is this weird? You know, yeah. Is it weird to be around people that don't speak my language? Mm-hmm. And because, especially when we were teenagers and we were hosting teenage exchange students, they would come with very little English sometimes, and that would not stop us from talking. Yeah, oh my gosh, we become best friends my best friend to this day my very best friend she came to live with us when we were both 16 we had our 17th birthday because we have the same birthday we're the exact same age so we celebrated our born on the same day of the same year yeah we had our we celebrated our 17th birthday while she was in america she's traveled to back to america and has come to my wedding we've traveled to spain to go to her wedding like we still talk on we i mean she has two kids and we have our kiddo, so we have we don't talk as much as we used to, but we always make an effort to like WhatsApp each other, and I always no matter how much time has gone past, I just feel like yeah, this is no my times s- change. Yeah, yeah, this is my sister, mm-hmm. and not only did they come as just an exchange student, they became family when they left. No matter how, we had a girl who came from um, oh Sweden, mm-hmm. and she still considered us family, and she would. She only came and she only stayed with us for a very short time, yet she saved up to come back and visit us a few summers later. Like, that's the thing is when people came into our home, they became family. We had an exchange student from Korea, and now he said, he said, every time I start to feel sad in my life, I just remember all those girls that would make me laugh. Mm -hmm. And he was a a boy who lived with six girls. And he must have loved our mom because one year for Christmas, she got us all pajamas and... I don't know if she sized it incorrectly or she wasn't used to buying boy pajamas but she got him the like tightest oh, pair of yeah. pajamas <laughs> and he would still wear them and they were skin tight oh my god but then it was so cute because he wasn't supposed to live with us he was supposed to just like his family fell through so he was only going to stay with us a couple days but then when my parents told him they found another home for him he started to cry it was like can i just stay here and then they were like you really want to live with a bunch of women? Yeah. Okay. And he'd get so mad. Like, we'd fight over the remote, and we took him shopping one time because his mom sent him money and was like, you need to buy new clothes. You look homeless. And <laughs> he comes out with these pants, and we're like, no, baggy pants look so bad. And then he comes out with these skinny jeans, and we're like, whoa, those look like girl pants. And he's like, 
I don't know what you want from me. Like, you just said that at the mall. Like, I don't know what you want from me. Like, oh, you're making me miss him really bad. Like, and, you know, we and sometimes we would fight like siblings. Like, um, And it was hard when they left. Oh, yeah. It was, it was so really hard, hard when they left. Like, my best friend from Spain, we got in a fight one time and we shared a room. And so she was like, I'm not going to sleep in your room tonight. I'm going to sleep with Becca. And we're and then they were, like, brushing their teeth together in the bathroom. And she kept looking back at me. And I was, like, getting angrier. And then I just yelled at her. And, I was, and then we were, like, yelling at each other. And then I was like, well, I love you. And she goes, well, I love you too, Rachel. And then we, like, walked <laughs> Sorry, I just dropped something. <laughs> and then we walked away from each other and, like, slammed the doors. <laughs> it's like, so, I mean, you fight like sisters. And that's, I think, that was a special thing about our family was it didn't matter if you were there for a day, a week, or a year. The time you were there, you were family. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, and this is how my parents, my parents owned an exchange student company for a while. So they placed exchange students and they did a lot of that. But how they would not convince, but persuade people that they wanted to do this because it is an exchange you get a lot out of it Mm -hmm. um you don't we don't realize it's just normal like when i go to a new country it's like exciting not i mean there are some scary things about traveling internationally Mm -hmm. but like it's exciting for me Mm -hmm. because I've been exposed to so many cultures and I know tidbits and, and mm-hmm. pieces of language from so many different cultures. It's just exciting. and But it is scary. So if you're thinking about doing this, um, what an amazing way to share the gospel too. Oh, they yeah. see you. They, they see you and parents would be like, well, you do not have to have a clean house for six months while they live there. You mm-hmm. do not have to, you know, pay to go on 16 vacations while they're there. They're coming to see real life in America. They don't care... Yeah, it's not like you're there to entertain them. Like, we're going skiing every weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the the cool thing is, is they see the worst and best parts of you. They see mm-hmm. the. I mean, we just, when we had our, we just had a girl from Thailand that she still calls us mom and dad. And she stayed with us for a year. I love her. And She's so sweet. when she left, it was devastating. It was hard to see her go. And she was there when my husband and I were going through a divorce. Like, she was there. And now, it was so cool. We, she didn't know that we were coming back together. And we both FaceTimed her. And we were both together at the same time. And when she opened the screen and she saw that it was both of us, she was, oh, Mom and Dad! And she was so excited. And she got to see what God did in our lives. And, I mean, they come from a Buddhist culture. And they believe in Buddha. And she talked to me about how Buddhism would, like, comfort her when she was a little girl. Because if you read what Buddha says, it's pretty much taken from the Bible. Like, you could almost take stuff. Stealing. Word from word. Let's be real. Um, But she really, that would comfort her. And then we told her about Jesus and what he did for us. And she got to... experience that that. firsthand and be like well this is the god that i know but i really want to know your god yeah and it's sad i mean that was the beautiful thing there were so many cultures we experienced that had never heard the gospel like it's just or were antagonistic against the gospel Mm -hmm. their cultures were like straight up against it and you think oh i have to be a perfect christian all the time if they're going to be in my house i have to be perfect and it's like no, like even just some of them having a mom and dad mm-hmm. in the same house. And some of them, it was just seeing a family eating meals together and just like the simplest things. And even just our families fighting, like Christians fight. They yeah. don't get along. Their children don't act perfect all the time. But um, then they get to see the repair that you don't just leave your relationships relationships in disrepair. Like this is how we repair them as a family. So it was this beautiful thing. I remember we had one, she... Um, came and she was speaking Spanish and it was funny because we shared a room and she was like what am I we didn't even understand each other at all and she I was barely I don't know how she passed her English test she, she was really good at written English but her spoken Spanish was like non-existent and she picked it up fast I oh mean, yeah but um she was like, on the top bunk and she's really short maybe like five foot like she's yeah, like five so foot tiny. One. and one night all of a sudden she falls off the bed 
and just is screaming in Spanish, I fell, I fell. And no one knows what she's trying to say. I'm freaking out because I'm on the bottom bucket. She probably didn't know where she was because, you know, you just travel for two and a half days to get here. It was, I think it was like the night she yeah, got home. Yeah, because she came from Ecuador. Yeah, and she's just, and then finally we get the lights on and she's like, I fell out of the bed. I'm like, okay, you can sleep on the bottom bunk. I'll sleep on the top bunk. But, and even that, you're like, oh, so someone's going to pay all this money to come live with you and sleep on a bunk bed? You know what's weird is Sarah and I shared a bed. Well, it was I exchanged like it from bed. Germany. That I had like this bed. huge king size bed. I think you gave her a choice though. I did. The first night I gave her a choice and she wanted, she was fine sharing a bed with me. Like, can you imagine sharing a bed? Now I look back, I'm like, that is weird. But okay, there are cultures <laughs> like in India where it's weird not to share a bed with yeah. your whole family. But I love so. that. When she left after that year and my bed was empty, I was like, oh. Well, don't worry. One of the other sisters probably crawled in. That's probably why I crawled in with Becca and spilled water on her side of the bed. And <laughs> she got so mad at me. We talk about that in our live that we did tonight. We just did a live about embarrassing stories if you want to go listen to but, it. But, yeah, I just, and, you know, a lot of people are uncomfortable with someone that doesn't speak the same language as them, that has that language barrier, and say, oh, well, there's no way I can communicate with them. But then we at our job, um, unfortunately, she's not working there this year, but last year we had a lady who... Thanks a lot, COVID. Yeah. She's from Mexico, and she was and she was our custodian. And her and I, when the kids would have PE, one of my favorite things is while they were doing PE, and I'd watch them outside doing their PE, she would come and sit with me, and we would talk that whole, like, half hour, 45 minutes during PE. She didn't speak, speak a lick of English. I don't speak, like, rarely any Spanish. I copied off of Natalie in Spanish class. Like, you know, like... So, I mean, I... Do not tell Sonora Sheldon. <laughs> Not on tests, though. Just, like, homework. Like, you know. She said she was checking her work. Yeah. I, I got your number. Rachel. But we would sit there, and we would laugh, and we would smile. And I knew all that. She had lots of grandchildren, and that's why she had to work to make lots of dinero to be able to buy Christmas presents for her grand. So, I mean, like, it was weird. We didn't speak any English, but I felt totally comfortable even sitting in the silence when neither of us had anything to say. And just being with her. And that is thanks to having so many different cultures in our home. You and just don't feel awkward when you don't. And like our, so our parents went to um, uh, visit one of the countries that our exchange student was from. And her mother said, you, you're you not going to stay at a hotel. You're sta- you took care of my kid for a year. You're staying mm-hmm. at my house. And um, so they were staying at her ha- her mom's house. Her mom didn't speak any English. And mom came home telling all these stories about, about Sarah. And I was like how did you guys talk? And mom's like, I don't know. We figured it out. <laughs> and they would show each other pictures. And this was before, like, you could have Google Translate on a phone or yeah. something. And uh, I will, this is going to get me emotional, but, and I can link to the article about it, but um, when we were in India, there was a caregiver who had taken care of my daughter and she did not speak any English. And we communicated in pictures and showing pictures. And she showed me pictures on her phone of Serbia. And we would talk about the kids. And, and we would Google translate like little phrases. But they would like not make any sense. <laughs> be like, my pants are on my head. And I'd be like, I'm sure that's not what you were trying to say. <laughs> but um, And then, you know, I, I was trying to explain to her what Idaho is. And so I showed her a picture of like, if you've ever seen the giant potato on a semi truck, <laughs> yeah. and she was like, "Oh my!" Like she didn't know any English, but she said, "Oh my!" And I was like, "It's not a real potato," <laughs> but trying to explain, you know. And but um, and I write about this in more detail. But the first night in the orphanage, I had to leave Serbia because we hadn't had um, legal custody yet because there were some things going wrong. And. Uh, she had come with us, and I had held Serbia and had this beautiful moment, and I had to leave her at the orphanage. And the caregiver drove back the two and a half hours back to the other city with us, and she held my hand, and she wept with me. Mm. And she, you know, just put her... And, I mean, they're, not everyone in that culture is very comfortable with, like, people being emotional. I think especially the men do not like women being emotional in front of them. And... Um, but she held my hand and she wept with me and she was one of the first women to love my daughter and like a mother. And, um, 
she comforted me in that time and we had no words mm. and I don't even think if we had a language similar to each other we could have expressed the like pain and emotion we were feeling at that time yeah and um she's I'm always going to be specially connected to her and when I look at Servi even though they didn't they're related or anything I think of her because I think of the person who imparted first love for her mm. And that has nothing to do with language and yeah. nothing to do with sameness. This woman and I look nothing alike. She's older than me. Not one is better than the other. There's no elitist here. I hope we, I'm like, as we're doing this, I hope we're not trying to sound like elitist or anything. No, it just shows how humble it is that you are such a tiny part of this big, 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 vast world. That's what I loved about it as a young person who's selfish and, um, always moving around and making a bunch of noise but we're selfish when we're young that's just normal we have Mm -hmm. to like grow out of that and learn how to be empathetic and stuff but um and even okay these people came to us as exchange students they had to humble themselves Mm -hmm. because no matter how good you are at speaking a second language you're never going to be well, and a lot of live with. Sorry, I didn't mean to. No, you're fine. Well, and a lot of them came from very wealthy families, Mm -hmm. like super wealthy families. Not all of them, but there was some that, like, one girl she came who she was getting her hair done every week at the salon, Mm -hmm. and then she comes to sharing a room and living with like a house full of people. And the nearest salon is forty five minutes away. The nearest mall (laughs) is like forty five minutes away. And yeah, and then when you have. Like, when I went to visit one of our exchange students, her dad was a senator. Like, he had, like, private... We had He had a private mountain villa. <laughs> and I'm thinking... Because she's like, oh, we're going to go to, like, our cabin. And realizing later that it was a, a language thing, we went to, like, this five-star resort in the middle of nowhere that was owned by her parents. <laughs> yeah. And they had a maid. He's like, oh, I called the maid and the cook-up. So just tell her, <laughs> like, oh, you just, like, hire a maid for your weekend trips up to your mountain villa. But <laughs> and your like, daughter was in America, like, loading the dishwasher. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, my gosh. Well, and that's just, I mean, that's the beauty of it. They wanted to see how we lived. Mm-hmm. And when I went to visit them, too, I said, oh, don't take, I mean, you can take me to all the tourist stuff. But I said, show me what, like, a normal person does on a normal day. Mm-hmm. And it was such a cool experience because I got to stay long enough to do all the touristy stuff. But they also, like, showed me what, she's like, oh, when I'm not in school, this is what me and my friends do on vacation. And it was going to this, like, greasy alley and eating these, like, this, like, junk food, basically, <laughs> out of these, like, food trucks. And that was, like, one of the fun, you know, or, like, going dancing or whatever. And um, I, as an 18-year-old, did not understand when I went and visited how very special it was that I lived up until that point with that experience Mm. I didn't realize until I went to college like oh not everyone else like basically before I was in college I had lived in like 20 with people from like 20 different cultures Mm -hmm. and subcultures and countries and languages and and uh, the religion thing too like learning about other religions I think it helps solidify like we're Christians Mm -hmm. this is what we believe and I think some parents would be afraid, well, I'm not going to have a Muslim come stay in my home. But we had Muslim exchange students. And we had Muslim exchange students that wanted to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, wanted to know Christianity. Like, because they saw how we lived our lives. Yeah. Like, we, I mean, to the point of, like, some that were really hard to live with because the way that women are treated in other cultures isn't the same way that they're treated in our cultures but they got a culture shock coming into a house full of six well and they had to learn i mean i had this when i taught a lot of um when i was a teacher to a lot of muslim students and they learned pretty fast i i very rarely felt disrespected Mm -hmm. um but they were not used to having women in authority Mm -hmm. and so they had to learn about that and and i hope this this is hard when you're a parent because you're like, of course I want my kids to be around diverse people. Yeah. But you're not just going to go up to someone on the street and be like, oh, you look black or you look Mexican. Can you be friends with my family? Because <laughs> yeah. my family's white. Like, <laughs> So that's that's where I'm like, that's where I struggle. And maybe you guys have better ideas. But the exchange student thing was such a simple, easy way to say, okay, we have a Mexican living with us for the next six months. And she's going to teach us all about her culture, and she's going to cook, and she's going to unload the dishwasher. And Are you having a maid? 
What? <laughs> You're like, she's going to cook and unload the dishwasher. <laughs> she's going to be a part of our family. And then we're going to also, like, impart on her. Yeah. And I just think there's pictures of us sitting with those Japanese exchange students our parents had when we were really little. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's the pictures of us sitting in the living room with Dad and his guitar and the Muslim exchange students laughing. And mm-hmm. we're all together, you know. And so I think that's hard, too, because that's kind of, like... A Christian stereotype like Christians don't like Muslims and it's like no we have very two different religions like very black and white and when people try to say that Christianity and Islam. Muslim religion is very similar you it's that's because you have not gone deep into the research it's very 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 different but to see those two culturals those two religions being able to that's a, only God can do that like, and honestly, it is hard because your home is a place that you want to protect and keep safe. And my parents prayed about every single person and they looked at the applications and they weren't all good. There were mm-hmm. some bad situations and they would have to re like refine a home for them if it didn't work out for us. But I mean, honestly, that rarely happened. Well, By yeah, the time and they I, get through the application process, they're usually pr- like really great kids. Well, and I mean, I saw, it broke my heart because I saw on like the mom's face group thing. Like I would never do an exchange student. Ours was so spoiled and it was so, and it's like, okay, so if you had a student who wasn't the best fit for your family, because we've had students where the families were like, we could not stand that kid and they go off to another family and they're like, they were, they were like a daughter to us. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, well, not all personalities match. And we've had kids, exchange students, when we were teenagers, where we're, like, counting down the days till they move to another family. Mm-hmm. And then the family just loves them. And we're like, how? Remember that little girl we had one time? And she was so spoiled. mean and so spoiled. She was getting, like, care packages from, like, Hong Kong once a week. And she, you know expensive that she went be? through, like, three families who were, like, one didn't even like make it a week. They're like, okay, we're done with her. She's uh-huh. so. But then the last family she ended up, like we had a party with all the exchange students at the end of the year. The mom just was like, oh, we just love her. We just can't believe we have to say goodbye to her. And I was like, really? Like, but then it also maybe took that girl being humbled. Like, hey, three families didn't want you. Maybe it's you're the problem. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe it humbled her a little bit, but she found the right match. And so maybe it's not exchange students. We were very blessed by it. Every year we pretty much had a different exchange student. And then some years we'd have two what or three. What is it, from 18 different countries? Something like that. And But here's the thing. I can go to 18 different countries and have a place to stay. Mm-hmm. And I've been and had places to stay. And it's been amazing. Yep. And I've been to Germany. I've been to Spain. I, and I never had to pay for a hotel. Yeah. And then you also have, like, a tour guide who's going to make sure that you're safe. And obviously, like... Gosh, COVID traveling is not a thing. Well, right and now. you went to Colombia, and Colombia can be very dangerous. But yeah, I mean, we we're in one of the safer cities, but still, I. But my, our parents felt safe sending me there because someone met me at the plane. Mm-hmm. Someone took me to all the places I needed to go. They showed me how to use public transit. I mean, it was, it was such a cool experience. And I know everyone can't do it because of wealth and things like that. But if you could get your kid to go on a, it doesn't even have to be a mission trip, but like. Getting out of your own comfort zone and seeing how different people live and seeing how blessed we are in America is mm-hmm. one of the most valuable things that I've ever seen as a child. And then, um, but maybe it's not, but okay, like we live in Boise, Idaho area, and I mean, it's Idaho people. It's not the most diverse place on the planet. Mm-hmm. But even we have like the Bass Cultural Museum and they had like the Japanese festival before COVID. And if you, put yourself out there you can find things yeah and don't be afraid to ask questions about somebody else's culture i think we've come so far with the cultural appropriation that you don't even want to celebrate other people's culture because you're so afraid of offending somebody Mm -hmm. but it's like other people if you really know other people get excited when you want to know about their culture especially if they're immigrants here or they are away from their culture they love to talk about it and you Mm -hmm. know some people I mean, I worked as an ESL teacher, and some people were, like, they were immigrants here. Not immigrants. They were refugees. They Mm -hmm. were running away from war. And I heard the most amazing stories, and um, they wanted me to eat their food. One girl's like, you you haven't had dolma? Okay. The next day, she brought me the most amazing food. Yeah. And she wanted to share her life and her, and she wanted me to ask questions, and she wanted me to force her to speak English. She wanted, I know, depending on different cultures, some... Like, one of our exchange students 
did not want to talk until she knew she could do it correctly. Mm-hmm. And then others are like, I will talk, whether you can understand me or not. Yeah. She speaks half a word in Spanish, half a word in English, you know. Yeah. And it just depends, and you got to be, you know. But it's, yeah, being open and obviously not being disrespectful, but also teaching your children how to be. But you know what? Questions. If you mishap and say something disrespectful, then that, how do you learn? Then they can say, hey, you know, that's probably not a very disrespectful or was that an offensive thing that was kind of an offensive thing to say but because you went through that experience then you know the next time okay I'm not going to say that to somebody from this culture and you and you know like I didn't do it on purpose I can't have this white guilt or whatever but you learn from it and it's funny like I didn't even know this was a skill but like I'm really good at understanding people who have accents me too I know we were around so many people with so many different accents and so when we were in India I would be like the translator for people speaking English because my <laughs> husband could not understand what people were saying. I was like, and it's not something you can teach people. It's mm-hmm. kind of like being around elderly people. You can't be comfortable around unless you're them around it. unless you put yourself But out you can there. also take your children to the Asian market. We have a really cute Asian market here in Boise. And also there's an Indian market. We try to go there all the time because one of them closed down because they couldn't get enough business mm-hmm. during COVID. And so... They used to sell saris and all these cool clothes, and now they're closed down. Yeah, but you can just go to businesses like that and introduce your kids. Say, hey, we're going to cook this meal from another culture, and ask them. Like, bring in the recipe and say, hey, do you know how to cook this? Have you cooked this before? What's your secret to it? Like, do you have any advice? What do I need to buy? What ingredients do I need? Mm -hmm. It's funny because um, we, we go to the Indian market a lot, and Serbia loves it. There's something about the smell. And when I walk in there, I feel like I'm transported to India. Like, all these memories. You know how so many memories are connected to to so, smell? I'm just taken back to India. And uh, they speak Hindi to her, and they, like, think she's the cutest thing. And she's just, like, giggles and laughs and just loves it. And then Ariana, my, my, when <laughs> she comes with us, she always gets a free sucker because... They just think she's so cute. <laughs> they just think they're so sweet. But I love, and we live in like a pretty, like not diverse place, but we're lucky to have some of this. But um, but the other day my husband's like, I'm going to make some like authentic Chinese food. And he did a, a bunch of research and he found all the ingredients and he went to the Asian market and he could get some of them. And he was going all around like three different stores trying to find this specific ingredient. And then he found it at Albertsons. <laughs> which is just the regular grocery store here. So I think sometimes we maybe overthink it too. Like, yeah. especially the new Albertsons has like an international food section. You can buy a bunch of cool, oh, cool. stuff. And we do that whenever we do a do new food. Do they have beer wrappers? No. You, you, have to, you still have, only go to the Asian the market. The Asian market has beer wrappers. And during different holidays, you have to go early and buy them because all yeah. the Filipinos in the area yeah. <laughs> make them sold out. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that's, well, even us having our own cultural heritage is a blessing, and and I'm excited to, like, adopt a child from the Philippines because to share that. And, we already know how to make the Filipino food. and mm-hmm. But even I need to go deeper and learn the language and things like that. So, um, well, but that's the thing with the internet, and I'm going to talk about the library. I love the library. <laughs> we can't go podcast without talking about the library. They have these kits you can rent for a month, and they have different cultural kits you can buy. Right now, I, th- I think they're doing an Asian one for ours, but there's like Asia or Europe, and you can, and they have clothing and traditional clothing and like um, indigenous people clothing if that country has indigenous people, and you can learn. And they even have like a Black History kit you can get they have like a native american kit you can get i mean so there are ways to give your children exposure to different cultures especially you know during covid we're not allowed to do certain stuff but okay youtube i mean preview videos because you never know what the heck you're gonna see but like if you want to learn about a cultural festival like in brazil look it up the like brazil fighting dancing is the coolest thing if you've never heard of it oh yeah what is that called lewis would know because he thinks it's cool, too. Anyways, but it's all about, like, not touching your opponent. It's this, like, crazy dance fighting. Look yeah. it up. Anyways. It's literally dance So fighting. if you have a kid who's really into, like, martial arts or, like, physical stuff, show him that. Or show him um, different things from different cultures. And then a funny thing we do is, like, if we're having Indian food, we listen to Indian music. Mm-hmm. If we're having Mexican food, we listen to Mexican music. With that language, you know, we listen to actual mariachi, like, true yeah 
like with Spanish in the background. And my kid's not going to learn Spanish because once a week, because we definitely do Mexican at least once a week, <laughs> but because we listen to mariachi like once a week. But she's going to like hear it on the radio someday and it's not going to be the first time. Or she's going to hear someone speaking Spanish in the other room or the other, you know, wherever she's at. And it's not going to be the first time she heard it. Mm-hmm. Just exposure is so important. Well, and speaking of, like, communication and saying how hey, we speak two different languages and we're still able to communicate, that goes into exposing your kids to kids who are different. You know, so I used to work in a group home, and I had a boy, and I had to be careful what I say because of HIPAA and everything, but he was nonverbal. And I remember one time I walked into the house and I was managing at the time and... Was he older too? Yeah, he was like a teenager, Mm -hmm. but he couldn't speak and he was on his iPad just playing. And I looked over at the table, the dinner table, and all the rest of the kids in the home and the staff were playing Uno. And I got really mad. I guess I'm like the kind of person that gets so mad I almost start to cry. Like I've gotten better self-control. But I just went over and I said, hey, did you guys ask if he wanted to play? And they were like like try not to say the obvious like how's he gonna play uno like and I said you guys he knows his numbers he knows his colors he's not enabled I was like he can play uno with you guys and they were like uh okay and so then they I looked at and they're like well he doesn't want to play he just wants to play his iPad and I said did you ask him and they're like no and I went over to the couch I called his name and he like popped up and I said do you want to play uno and he clapped his hands and got so excited and ran to the table and they dealed him in and he played with them. And I was so mad that they just wrote him off because he's nonverbal. And but so it's many hard times. To, you just don't know until But you yeah, know. but these are people who are like nineteen year olds, fresh into life, no experience, working at a home making minimum wage, you know what I mean? That was the frustrating thing, you know. And, and like no training. Yeah, no yeah. training for these people. And I get so many complaints from the staff. Like, it's so hard to work with him. He doesn't. And it's like, go on a walk with him. Hold his hand. Like, play a game with him. Don't just set him on his iPad. Because it's he's... hard to know someone when they can't speak back to you. It's kind of like the elderly woman who would have the stroke. Yeah. She wanted desperately someone to talk to her. Mm-hmm. Even though no one, even though she couldn't talk back. Well, and I had all these like posters that I had made with sign language up on the walls. I was like, learn some sign language. If you're going to work here, learn some sign language. Like, come on, you know? Mm -hmm. And just like, he loved art. So it's like, get out some paints and paint with him. You do not need to be able to talk to paint with somebody. Mm -hmm. And it's therapeutic. It's fun. And right now, Natalie has her own daughter who hasn't learned to speak yet. Mm -hmm. We say yet. Yeah. We're still struggling with even the verbiage, differently abled, special needs, I don't even like the word disability because, I mean, I don't even really like special needs. You know that even though it's true, she there's it's hard because we need words to give her help. She needs she needs help, like Mm -hmm. she needs extra help. She needs therapy, so it's hard because you need those words to help other people help her. But at the same time, um, because people often ask, is she autistic? Well, it's like no, she doesn't have a, a diagnosis, but. Even if she did, it really wouldn't change how I parent her mm-hmm. because I would still look at her needs and try to meet those needs. But then also, you know, she's a special needs technically. But I don't just coddle her and carry her around like a baby and never force her to ask me things because, you know, and it's funny because when you're around a kid who's nonverbal all the time, you just learn to know what they are saying. Mm-hmm. And even that boy, I bet you could tell what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because it's not something you can really teach. Some people just have a gift. And part of it is I'm her mom, and her dad is the same way, too. We can just kind of know what she's trying to say. Um, But I so appreciate when people get on her level and try to talk to her and know. But that's something I've had to teach our friends. Because people be like, I mean, especially like preteen teenagers are like, they ask me, does she want this? And I say, ask her. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, what? You know, she yeah, can't tell she me. She can't tell me. And it's and like, she'll tell you. You she, just have to learn how she'll tell you. And I'll help you learn. And part of me being her advocate right now is to, like, teach either other people how to interact with her. But what I love is that other kids don't have to be told. They just, like, go and they know her. And they're like, Serby, Serby, you know, and they, and they love her and they know she's different. And they don't really care, mm-hmm. honestly. And um, I worked... Uh, with with some a few kids that had down syndrome was one of my first 
um, I was a paraeducator when I was first teaching. And it was funny. I would forget he was nonverbal. He was like fourth or fifth grade. And we'd just be going about our day, and we'd be talking, and, and he had his way of talking that had no words. He'd moved his hands, and he had some sign language. But it was funny because someone asked me to train another person to work with him and teach them how to talk to him. And I said, well, I don't really know how to teach you. Yeah, how do you teach somebody to talk to somebody? I was like, just go and hang out with him and learn him. And just know when he, like, sees... And what I learned to do is just look at what they're looking at and try to imagine the world as they see it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, so much of exposing your children to people who are different is so that they can be empathetic. Mm-hmm. And you don't just throw them in a nursing home or throw them, you know, and say, just know how to handle this. You, We learned it from our dad. Mm-hmm. We saw our dad bending down and, and speaking to that woman right into her eyes. And I kind of learned it from my the the, te- the main teacher. She was a special ed teacher, and she taught me a lot of stuff. And then some stuff was just, it's just being human. Well, and even when we were fostering, and one of our little boys who was autistic, when we had the teenage girls, they learned how what triggered him. They learned how to talk to him. They learned, oh, if how I to do, draw him out. yeah, if I do this, it's gonna create an explosion and a big blowout. If I do this. And he was the most snuggly, loving little thing. And most of the time, all he needed was just to be held. And I loved having those extra two teenagers that would have the sweetest picture of him and one of our teenage girls asleep on the couch together. And I'm just like, oh. Yeah, you know? so. So even like foster care, like exposing your kids to foster care, kids who grow up. And I know we so want to protect our children. And our kids' protection has to come first. I, I totally agree with that. But it's okay, I think, to open up their mind, their point of views, and learn how to serve people and learn how to love people in every walk of life. And so here's an idea. Obviously, this is kind of comes up. Are you going to walk up to a special needs family on the street and be like, "I want to be your friend because I want my kids"? Of yeah. course, you're not going to do that. But um, look in your town and see if there's um, a play place or a gym for kids with special needs. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have one or, in Boise. Yeah, we do. It's called the Sensory Place. It's the most amazing place on the planet. It's for kids with sensory issues, and it's amazing. I absolutely love it. But um, but maybe it's even like the jump time day or, you know, those trampoline parks some days. They'll have like a special needs day mm-hmm. um, where they won't play loud music and they'll dim the lights and things like that. And have your kid go, I mean, if it's allowed, sometimes it's only, you have to have a kid with special needs to go. But I think, I don't know, you'd have to do the research yourself. Or even, you know, private message us and ask us. Even when we're at the park, you know, the other day we were at the park and there was this girl who had Down syndrome and she was on the swing and Ariana was swinging right next to her. And she started talking to Ariana. And and I just told Ariana, I say, hey, tell, she's like, what's your name? And I said, Ariana, tell her your name. And Tell her how old you are. And then I say, like, ask her how she's doing today and what her favorite thing to do is at the park. And then they played at the park together. Mm-hmm. So even just teaching them it's okay to approach people who are different. And, she'll and like, kids will embarrass you because they'll say things like... Why is she in a wheelchair? Or why does she have orthotic... Or they don't know the word orthotics. Or what's that weird stuff on her feet? And um, what did Ariana say one time, like... Why did, mom, why does she talk so loud? Like, And she said that in front of the parent. And at first I started to get embarrassed, but then it's like, oh, no, this is a good teaching opportunity. And I think a parent of a special needs child is better instead of you just being like, oh, we don't say that, and walk your children away to be like, oh, no, they're just different than you. This is just how they communicate. When there's a kid at the park whose best way of communicating is just walking around and screaming or, you know, that's their way of communicating. And so... It, you can just go anywhere and and treat that family and that child like you would any other family. yes any other family at the park yeah. I I so appreciate when people just act like it's normal because to us it is normal mm-hmm. we are not we don't feel different yeah when we're out and sometimes we're reminded because the world is created for people that fit in the world and mm-hmm. sometimes when you have different if you're differently able. You don't fit in the world the same way. Mm-hmm. And your parents are trying so hard to make you fit. But I get to the point where I'm like, I love that she's different and special. And mm-hmm. I hate that she has to climb mountains that other kids don't have to. Yeah. But someday, her story is going to be amazing. And the kids that are growing up with her and just think it's normal, 
they're having an experience too. Yeah, Natalie drops Ariana off at preschool, and so Serby gets to play with the kids a little bit when she does that. And now the kids like have just accepted her into their circle. They just love her like the rest of them. And so, yeah, it's just, you got to teach your kids like, oh, those are so normal. I love that toys now are coming with baby dolls with orthotics or baby dolls with hearing aids and glasses. And it's like, that's so awesome. Or even there's a new line where the baby had a feeding tube. And it's like, how cool is that? That we are trying to be more well-rounded in our society. Because if you think about the definition of disability, every single person in their life will experience some kind of physical or mental or emotional deficit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what it is. You're going to break your leg or, you know, get a concussion or, mm. you know, everyone is going to experience People it. People go through depression, anxiety, you know. But some kids, that's their every day. They never get to escape it. It's not a broken leg that will be healed. It's something harder. And so... Um, and I, I, I'm always trying to be careful as a, I want to educate people, but I don't want to ever be like, whoa, it's me, my, my life's so hard. It's like, no, this is just our life. This is our hard. Mm-hmm. Someone else has a different hard, and I would not choose that. And some days it is, I'm just going to have to grieve that my life is different than other moms. But then you also are so thankful for what God's given you and your own child. Because what your child, like even her beautiful musical abilities, mm-hmm. like such talent for music at such a young age it's like oh I can't wait to see what God does with that and she's so makes me so brave mm-hmm. and she makes me get out of my comfort zone and she makes me do things that I never thought I'd be able to do mm-hmm. I say if she can do that I can try it yeah and um so I mean we talked kind of about age we talked about race or culture you know or language which is all mixed together mm-hmm. first of all and then we also talked about ability and these are just three differences Mm -hmm. to us it's like all these people are children of god Mm -hmm. they all have these amazing things that and if if i could make the ideal table i think i would have someone from each one of these groups at that table Mm -hmm. and it would be loud and it would be emotional and there would probably be a meltdown of my child at some point during the Mm -hmm. evening you know but it would just be this beautiful thing. And I that's what heaven's going to be like. Yeah. Obviously, in heaven, we're all going to have healed bodies. And it's going to be... But I wonder what we're all going to... We're not going to be elderly and... and Decrepit and... Yeah. And we're not going to have... the Our bodies are going to be perfect. But I wonder what it's like. But I think we will retain that individuality. Yeah. That God made each one of us special mm-hmm. and different and on purpose and we should be around people and our children should be around people that are not like us. Yeah, so I guess the takeaway to do this is to just open up your bubble a little bit and mm-hmm. really seek the Lord. And it's good to have one focus too. Like it's like, okay, I'm not going to try to go find a family with this and then family with this and then go visit the nursing home. Like really pray in your family. What, What's your calling? What is God calling us to? Because for, like, for my family personally, it was really foster care. Foster care... Which came with a lot of children who are differently abled. Yeah, which that was our focus. We couldn't be focused on all those things at one time, you know. Even with the exchange students. We didn't have exchange students while we were, my parents were taking care of Ellie. You know, sometimes we did did overlap. But you you have to be careful to, like, find your focus and be like, okay, this is what we're going to focus on. Oh, now that our kids are really comfortable with this, let's add in this to our lives, you know. So I hope this isn't, like overwhelming like okay I need to go find all these things at once but um. these are just a lot of ideas and I think our parents just normalized it yeah for us and that's such a blessing I'm yeah. so glad they did that I know we always harp on like our like tell our moms like about how she dressed us in the same clothing and like but hey mom you done good dad yeah. too you guys I mean, done this, good. Is, this is something that we didn't even think about. And I wonder how much they even thought about. I think they were just, that's was they life They just for them. loved people. They and did. they just always kept an open door, even when it's hard. Even when it was hard. Like, because sometimes, you know, my sisters would, and I would say stuff like, can't we just have a Christmas where it's just us and not somebody from the church or not? I remember there was an Easter Sunday, real quick, because I know this podcast is super long, but there was this woman that my mom would, like, go swimming with every day and she invited her over for Easter Sunday and I remember my mom was at first saying like hey guys 
we're going to have this other person over for Easter. And I remember telling my mom, like, why can't we ever just have, like, a family holiday with just our family where we can just hang out with the family? And she was like, hey, she's going to be all alone on Easter. She lost her husband just recently. Like, can you please just change your attitude and show some love? And um, then I remember, like, when she sat down at that dinner table, she just laughed and she just... And she told my mom at the end of the time that she said that that was, like, one of the best days she had in a long time. And it's like, otherwise she would have been sitting alone at her house. And at the end of our lives, I think this is another thing our culture gets wrong. We think we're supposed to make our lives comfortable. We're supposed Mm -hmm. to have enough money. We're supposed to have these perfect, cushy little families. We're supposed to have 2.5 children. (laughs) You know, and it's like, at the end of the day, and obviously God's going to call you to your heart. Mm -hmm. Don't try to do your neighbor Susan's heart because she's equipped for it. Mm-hmm. You aren't because <laughs> God made us that way, but thank God, you know, mm-hmm. but what is your uncomfortable? God grows us in the uncomfortable and he calls us to be uncomfortable and he calls us to be like open to what he wants us to do. And, and if he made us all the same, it would be a very boring world. Mm-hmm. And honestly, my favorite times growing up was when we poured out, yeah. It wasn't the like cushy Christmas when we had a vacation. And those were fun. Those good were memories. They were good memories. But what was better was Christmas morning and this um Native American guy, older guy in our church who didn't have a lot of family. He and he didn't have a lot of money, but he came to our house and he said, "I don't I wanted to give you guys presents, but all I have is this song." Yeah, and he literally came into our house and sang us a song. And then left. <laughs> yeah, he didn't stay long, but it just blessed him to be able to be part of a family for a little bit. And our family, like, I look back, I'm like, oh, that was kind of weird. But growing but, up, we're like, oh, that's just what it is. Yeah, like, oh, good morning, nice to see you, Merry Christmas. Like, Goodbye. Yeah. It wasn't like, well, that was strange. <laughs> yeah, and I want to get to my the end of my life and have a life that was poured out. Yeah, because 20 years from now, are you going to remember, oh, that Easter that we all sat together, but it was ruined because mom invited this random lady over? Because at the end of the day, it wasn't. In your teenage mind, you think it is, but then you're blessed. Our lives were enriched by having elderly people live with us. And I remember taking trays of food down to them and being like, oh, why is this my job? Why, (laughs) Why do I have to help her get her shoes on? But, you know, it was... It taught me empathy, and it taught me how to be around people who are different than me. And those are invaluable lessons that I've carried mm-hmm. with me my whole life. Yeah. So I, I want to And then when they passed focus. away, like, the devastation, like, wow, I really love them. Like, I really loved them. Like like a grandmother. And it was, it's cool because she's with God now. And she, before she died, she got to teach us some amazing things about life. And... When her husband passed away, she got to sit there with her husband and hold his hand and say, it's okay. I'll be okay. You can go and I'll go be with our son and I'll be there soon. Mm-hmm. And to go through an experience like that when you're 17 years old is pretty incredible, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because life and death, everyone dies, but we struggle with it. And so, yeah, and how we live, mm-hmm. it's so important. Yeah. So don't think you need to go and like have a multicultural dinner tomorrow. With, <laughs> yeah. And it's not going to be good enough unless you have five people of five different races <laughs> and you need to serve five different cuisines. No, just do something little. Eat Mexican food and listen to mariachi. Um, go to the Indian store and get some really delicious food because it's so good. I just got some tikka masala from Albertsons the other day. Yeah, or just go to Albertsons because apparently they have all the traditional foods <laughs> around the world. So, well, anyways. we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. We now have a Facebook page, Insta Mamas. Nat and Rach. Is it Nat and Rach or is it just Insta Mamas on Facebook? It's Insta Mamas oh, Nat and yeah, Rach on and, Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, on Facebook and Instagram. And on our Facebook page, we've been doing a lot of blog writing. Natalie is such a gifted writer, and she her writing is just so beautiful. I'm very amateur. Oh, I'm very beginner, but we would love for you to check out our writing. And Rachel has these stories that will just tear at your heartstrings. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. They are... She talks a lot about her time in being a foster parent. And then just like little nuggets from the scriptures and little nuggets about being a mom and what life is. And and so 
Well, we need to dig up some pictures of us with the exchange students to put on the, the Yeah, page. that would be awesome. But, yeah, this was so fun talking to you guys. If you have any more questions about anything we do, check us on social media. But we love you, and stay tuned because we have some really fun interviews coming up, too. Mm-hmm. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.